Nothing is more common than the idea that we, the people living in the world of the 20th century, are imminently sane. Even the fact that a great number of individuals in our midst suffer from more or less severe forms of mental illness produces little doubt with respect to the general standard of our mental health. We are sure that by introducing better methods of mental hygiene, we shall improve still further the state of our mental health, and as far as individual mental disturbances are concerned, we look at them as strictly individual incidents, perhaps with some amazement that so many of these incidents should occur in a culture which is supposedly so sane. Can we be so sure that we are not deceiving ourselves? Many an inmate of an insane asylum is convinced that everybody else is crazy except himself. Many a severe neurotic believes that his compulsive rituals or his hysterical outbursts are normal reactions to somewhat abnormal circumstances. What about ourselves? Welcome to the Rethinking Humanity podcast, where we dive deeper into what makes us human and what causes us to thrive. I'm Lacey Delane. Hi, I'm Sonia Lorea. And we are excited to be joining you for our first episode in season two live. Yay! Oh my goodness! How are you, Sonia? I'm good. I'm good. Enjoying uh, the spring weather here in Atlanta. Yeah, it's warming up, which is wonderful. And uh, we're growing. We're in the midst of uh, changes. Uh, one of them is, hey, here we are live on YouTube. Uh, we're going to do this from now on. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and you know what? We want you to subscribe so that you can be with us whenever we are live on YouTube. So if you're with us now, uh, we'd love to hear from you during the course of the episode, what you're thinking, what your thoughts are as we're discussing these things that we'll be talking about. Um, and also, we'd love for you to subscribe to the to uh, the podcast here here on YouTube. Yeah, definitely. Please put your opinions in. Let's hear from you. We're excited about being live. We're going to go live from now on, right, Lacey? Is yeah. That the deal? Yeah. Yeah, that's the deal. Yeah. So. That's the deal, guys. So that's show up. Deal. Yeah, come on and be with us. So yeah. Um, of course, all of our episodes are still going to drop down to our. Uh, Anchor platform, which goes to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the other places. Uh, but we're just adding in this video element. So we're going to go from there. And the other thing that we're doing that's new, that's coming. Sonia, you want to tell everybody? The rebranding. Yes. Yes. Uh, so our colors and our logo and the way the podcast art looks is going to change but nothing else is going to change. So don't worry about that. Yeah, I think that's important because when you hear rebranding, some people might say, what does that mean? So I think yeah. it's good that you define that, that we will be talking about what we've been talking about. We're just going to have a different look. Yes, exactly. Nothing's changing other than how, how things look. Uh, the idea is um, bringing us to a new level because this artwork is, is nice. It's pretty. It's wonderful, but it's not anything more than somebody like me who doesn't know anything about artwork uh, and that whole world can make. So so we're really excited about that. So we just want to keep you aware and keep uh, a heads up for you that that's going to be happening. So awesome. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just said awesome. I'm excited about it. Yes, me too. It's been fun to work on and we're hopeful that we'll have some things to share with you on that front soon. 
this week has been an interesting past week, Sonia, in the news. There's been some sad police violence happening again, a shooting again today, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I believe it was. I mean, there's, it's, it's a crazy thing. It seems like there's a police shooting every day. It just right? seems like you wake up and it's happening again and again. And Yeah. yeah. I think even I saw a tweet from Andrew Yang who said there's been like 48 shootings in the days since the shooting here in Atlanta. Oh my God. Um, which is like, it's crazy. You know, there's just shootings. If you, if you needed any evidence, just one piece of evidence that this is not a sane society. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was just going to say that. I was just yeah. going to say that we are not a sane society. We keep repeating this over and over and it's so tragic. It's, it's very, very sad. Yeah, absolutely. I also saw some of the video of the police violence. Uh, I shared that with you, Sonia, mm -hmm. and particularly the one that I saw that really struck me was the lieutenant who got pulled over and he ended up getting pepper sprayed by the police. Uh, and I mean, the guy, it was, I, I mean, from what I understand, it was a routine traffic stop and the cops got out of the car with their guns pulled. I mean, have you ever gotten pulled over for a traffic violation and a cop had a, a gun out? I mean, no. that's scary. No. That's freaking, I'd be scared. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, I haven't had that, but I just, I just feel for these individuals that obviously have had loss in their life because of this or fear or the anxiety. It's just this, this has to stop. And this is one of the reasons, uh, I think that we get into the topics that we do, that we have to relook at our society. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that's a big part of what we're going to be talking about today. And as it is a new season, season two, it's our mm -hmm. second year. As uh, many of you may know, we had Sherry Turkle on last Saturday. That was our, um, or maybe it was two Saturdays, Saturdays ago. But anyway, that was our uh, one year anniversary of the, ep of the podcast. And so, we're going into season two now, which is our second year doing this. And so we're starting uh, with a new launch pad um, from our, for our discussions. It's another from writing. It's called yes. The Sane Society. Ah! So um, that one, I got to be honest with you, Sonia, I'm a little nervous today. Yeah. I think probably because we're doing... This live? is new, doing live, but also we're starting with some new content. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I think that's probably part of why I'm like, whoo, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but it's exciting. It's really good content. And uh, yes. it's going to be great for the listeners. Yeah. I think uh, you guys will start to see the connection between to have or to be, which is what we did in the first year in the first season and the same society. There's huge connections here. And I think there's a lot that we're seeing in the news and in the media today oh that are, is saying to us exactly what Fromm said. I mean, Sonia, you mentioned this previously, how right. far ahead of his time, how far ahead Fromm could see into the future of what we were going to be facing. Uh, I, with yeah. I think he's, it's important to be talking about Fromm now. It's like what is needed in our culture and society. And the other thing I've mentioned to you, Lacey, I'm, a, I'm tell everybody this when I'm reading books, Almost most of the books I've read have quoted from. That's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I read a wide range and I'll be like, from here, from there. I'm like, he's everywhere. Yeah. So he's relevant. Yeah. And I mean, I mentioned this previously. I think he's underrated, but I think yeah. he's beginning to 
gained that respect that his writing really deserves, um, which is which is awesome. I mean, that's what we what we really want. So, so yeah. With that being the case, let's just let's get into it. This this episode is titled "Are We Sane?" So let's just start. For those of you who are here and listening, uh, I want to ask you to think about this for a second. Do you think we're sane? Are we sane? And I'm not just talking about you. I'm talking about all of us, all of us on a grand scale. What do you think, Sonia? Are we sane? Um, it depends on how you define sane. Mm. I would definitely say there are parts of our culture that are suffering from a degree of insanity, uh, but that we have accepted um, things as quote unquote normal. Mm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, well, I think my, my opinion is probably <laughs> very clear to people. I, I definitely think if you're talking about what wellness is and well-being is, and you are saying that the opposite of well-being is not sane, then yes, I definitely think we do not live in a sane society because our well-being is the very last thing that is, you know, is valued, that's important in our everyday life and the structure of society and the structure of thing, the way that things happen. So I wonder if uh, those of you who are listening and if you're watching with us live, we'd love to see your comments pop up here on screen. If you agree, if you disagree, what do you think? Um, but I think it's something to think about for sure. And obviously that's a big part of the content that we're going to be uh, diving into here for the second uh, season. The other thing that I wanted to mention um, is that we are, uh, this, this section, this chapter, um, it's called, Are We Sane? The audio that you heard uh, coming in is actually the first two paragraphs of um, this, this actual chapter, first chapter. Um, and I wanted it, well, of course, we had Richard read it, who's, re who's read for us before. Um, and we love his voice. We love the way he reads. He's, he's great. Um, but I also felt like it would be good, Sonia, for people to hear it more than once, because we're going to okay. hear in a second. Um, so, yeah, let's, let's do that, and then we'll dive into the content. Okay. All right. So he says, nothing is more common than the idea that we, the people living in the Western world of the 20th century, are eminently sane, even the fact that a great number of individuals in our midst suffer from more or less severe forms of mental illness produces little doubt with respect to the general standard of our mental health. We are sure that by intro introducing better methods of mental hygiene, we shall improve still further the state of our mental health. And as far as individual mental disturbances are concerned, this is key. We look at them as strictly individual incidents perhaps with some amazement that so many of these incidents should occur in a culture which is supposedly so sane. So the volume of individual incidences of mental illness, basically we keep blaming on individuals, but could it be that it's a more societal issue? Mm -hmm. Right. So the second uh, paragraph is, can we be so sure that we are not deceiving ourselves? Many an inmate of an insane asylum is convinced 
that everybody else is crazy except himself. Many, a severe neurotic, believes that his compulsive rituals or his hysterical outbursts are normal reactions to somewhat abnormal circumstances. What about ourselves? Mm. Yeah, what about ourselves? How can we take a look at ourselves and the way we do life from an objective perspective? I think that's what he's getting at here. Yeah, I mean, the first paragraph is very interesting. As you point out, Fromm is looking at uh, our society says, okay, we have these individual instances or individuals that have issues, but we don't see how that integrates into our society as a whole. Right. And I think number one, which we'll get into further, that the number of uh, people suffering from mental illness is much higher than is even reported. Right. And then you have to ask, well, is it the culture that's mentally ill? Is it the individual? What's creating that? You know, there's that question. Right, right. And then, then you look at the sheer number of people who are experiencing this. And then I think at a certain point, when the number is so high, it's really hard to not say, could it be the society? Could it be the culture you know, that people are living in instead of some individual pathology? Right, um, absolutely. I, I think what was fascinating about this chapter, I know I might be moving around in the chapter here, mm -hmm. but how Frum talks about the material wealth, the most democratic material wealthy countries are the ones that suffer from yeah. mental illness. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Now, that is speaking to me because we live in a world that we have, you know, we've got the most, we've got an abundance of things. So why mm -hmm. are we dealing with such of, you know, such mental health issues? Why would our society be uh, described as insane? What right. do you think, Lacey? Yeah, I mean, well, I think we're going, this kind of links back to the having and the being mode, you know, of existence. But I think we think that the comforts of having are the things that are going to make us feel, make us um, be in a place where we have well-being, give us mm -hmm. well-being. And that's clearly where we're at. We have, a, we have abundance. We have access to things. Um it's easy to have things in this country, but mm -hmm. it seems that there's a lot of people who don't experience well-being, a lot right. of depression. Right. Um, and from what he does, it's very interesting. He traces back. I found this fascinating. Of course, he goes back in history. He has a quote in here, and I didn't even realize this. This is going back to um, 1500 BC to 1860 AD. There was no less than 8,000 peace treaties were signed. Yeah. That says something about our society. And he does get into the fact of, you know, wars, of constantly being at war, mm -hmm. one country with another. And then once you get out of that war, you know, th that country that was your enemy now becomes your friend. And so it's it seems like it's a round, ra round robin table where you're constantly dealing with the war. The war you have this year may be a different war the next year. And then five years from now, you're back to this war. Yeah. I, I would say that shows a degree of insanity too. Yeah. You have a culture that keeps repeating this. And if we've had all these peace treaties, but we can't achieve peace, what does that say about us as a society? Right. What does that say about modern civilization? Yes. And it's, I mean, the arrangement of war is like killing people. 
You know, like it's the, it's the most extreme form of creating an other and, mm -hmm. and demonizing them so that you can kill them, have an excuse to kill them, which I'm not sure how killing people solves any problems. Well, <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure how. how well, without throwing, I mean, I'm sure people out there are really good with their history. Typically also wars happen because of economics. There's an economic driven factor here. Again, going back to the money. Right. I mean, wars can be quote unquote money making, even though at the same yeah. time we know that, you know, millions or billions of dollars are spent on armaments. So mm -hmm. it, it does point to the modern civilization, you know, having having that ultimate question, are we sane or insane that right. we keep repeating this? Yeah. So I like what he says about this. He says, during these wars, every participant firmly believed that he was fighting in his self-defense for his honor, or that he was backed up by God. The groups with whom one is at war are often from one day to the next looked upon as cruel, irrational fiends whom one must defeat to save the world from evil. But a few years after the mutual slaughter is over, the enemies of yesterday are our friends and the friends of yesterday are our enemies. And again, in full seriousness, full seriousness we begin to paint them with appropriate colors of black and white. That is exactly what you just said mm -hmm. it's like oh you're terrible horrible and we're gonna kill you and then in like 10 years peaceful and <laughs> you know right. it's insane it's insane right. so there's a repetitiveness of this and then we know we're still living in it today with you know ongoing wars which is very sad they're like never ending wars it seems like and and the sad part of that too is the people suffering are you know children innocent children yeah. Um, women typically like and displaced people. So there you have your refugees. So yeah, that speaks to society. It also speaks to like, what are our values that this keeps, this just keeps repeating itself, yes. um, you know, worldwide. Ironically, he says this, everybody is looking with a mixture of confidence and apprehension to the statesmen of the various peoples ready to heap all praise on them if they succeed in avoiding a war and yeah. ignoring the fact that it is only these very statesmen who ever cause a war, mm -hmm. usually not even through their bad intentions, but listen to this, but by their unreasonable mismanagement of the affairs entrusted to them. Mm -hmm. How about diplomacy, bitches? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, what's interesting when you read from, it's just if you could be reading today, like our political structure, right? Yes. Um, both with this and also with the economics that he talks about. Um, he also talks about how, you know, we've talked a lot about this, about the money we spend in our country. But I love this because this goes to a lot of these freedoms that people feel are very important, especially now when we're talking about the violence, gun violence. It yes. says economists look with some apprehension to the time when we stop producing armaments. And the idea that the state should produce houses and other useful and needed things instead of weapons mm. easily provokes accusations of endangering freedom and individual initiative. Mm. We're still having those discussions today yep. about what we should be doing and what we can do. Yep. And this is just so relevant. It's, it's, it's like a never ending discussion and argument mm -hmm. about where, um, what we should be financing. Right. And if we take a liberty away, you know, if we say, because I know earlier in the podcast you brought up the police uh, instances. So if we limit people's access to guns, mm -hmm. then everybody screams individual liberties. 
Right. And then at the same time, you have this insane society where kids are getting killed on the streets, you know? Right. You have to question what is going on here. Mm -hmm. For context, this book was written in 1955. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, so you know, like at, at war, obviously during those times was a very big social political issue. Um, and I, I definitely, we've said this before, but from is a staunch advocate against nuclear weapons um, in his writing. It's very clear it comes through his concern about nuclear weapons. Um, but I want to give step back just a bit because I don't think I did a very good job of giving you guys context of kind of what we're doing here. So at the beginning, he's saying, look, we're, are we really saying, are we, uh, is the idea that we are saying, is it really, is it something we can question? And so these things that we're talking about war, the economy, but yet the lack of equality for everyone. Um, and the next couple of things we're going to mention, these are all a few things that he's kind of building an argument for why and how we can see that it's really not that same. Mm -hmm. And that there's something more to go deeper into. The other thing he mentions um, is the media. And mm -hmm. it's the lack of substance. <laughs> Listen to this, this tidbit of, uh, that he writes. I mean, my goodness. He says, we have a literacy above 90% of the population. But instead of giving people the best of past and present literature and music, the media of communication supplemented by advertising, fill the minds of men with the cheapest trash, lacking in any sense of reality, with sadistic fantasies, which a halfway cultured person... <laughs> Would be embarrassed to entertain even once in a while. That's strong. I know. I know. When I read that, that kind of blew me away because he wasn't even in the time of us having the internet, you know. And we can definitely, um, you know, state that we're all exposed to a lot of misinformation and yeah. trash. I, I think uh, From would be just stunned at, at what we're what we're fed consistently. And it's interesting how he says that any suggestion that the government should get involved, say, with production of movies and radio mm -hmm. uh, programs would be met. I, I think this is very true with indignation and accusations in the name of freedom and idealism. Agreed. And that's that that definitely would be a hard thing for people to uh, swallow because we have this kind of anti-government feeling amongst right. obviously a large group of yeah. uh, citizens. That that makes me think a little bit of when we talked about sane consumption and how the government could subsidize some industries to help mm -hmm. put more healthy products out on the market until businesses would would be able to put them out in, in a way that, that they could have a stable business with it. Similar to me. I understand why people might be like, whoa, you can't do that. That's socialism and all those you know crazy things. But I, I if you think about it outside of the context of like, oh my God, government's going to control and brainwash us. Okay, first of all, ads are doing that now. So, yeah. <laughs> and the government is probably part of that. But anyway, that's a whole other story. The second part of that is that, like, w really step out of that place and realize, like, why would it be bad if there was access on television or on social media to mental health information, self care, mm -hmm. like putting, empowering people, information, like stuff that would get rid of the stigma around sexuality and taboo and women, women's rights and, you know, feminism and those types of things, bringing us back to a more human place uh, as a culture. What's wrong with that? I um, 
so I think I think first of all, there's a distrust generally of anything when you say government, when people use the word government. So you probably have to work with the language. Second to that, I would go back to have or to be where from talked about kind of at the local level getting involved and having groups of individuals involved and then experts. So I think you need those kind of forms of organizations, perhaps dismantle some of the things we have now to start regaining uh, that trust in, you know, in the public. Um, if you recall, I mean, we still have it, of course, like public television. That's su supposedly yeah. like, you know, very neutral, not, mm -hmm. you know, right, left. It's not supposed to be sending one message or the other. So we need forms of uh, media that are unbiased, basically. Right. And unfortunately, we're living in a time that um, people get kind of into one thing, as we know, I don't want to name any specific like channel or whatever, right. web page. And that's, mm -hmm. they're only getting their information from one source. Right. And, and you know, that, that is unhealthy in itself. Right. Lots of confirmation bias with social media. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And television is another place where that happens as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it takes concerted effort to make sure that you're not just hearing things that you want to hear when it comes to the news and, you know, or at least the, the opinion from whatever mm -hmm. side, you know? Absolutely. The next thing from mentions here is the way man spends his time. And we've actually, we have a clip about with this, almost the same uh, exact quote in on our re, uh, rethinking humanity uh, Instagram page. Mm -hmm. uh, basically he's saying, Hey, men, in the 50s, they had more time, more working hours than what they had. I'm sorry, less working hours than what they had um, 100 years prior. And he says, but men don't know how to use their newly gained free time. Mm -hmm. And they just try to kill the time and are glad when another day is <laughs> over. And I, that sounds familiar. Like, yay, it's the weekend. Finally. I hate Mondays. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is a very much a thread in the way we live our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. That's something that we definitely touched upon a lot in the podcast mm -hmm. about this whole, well, we kind of talk about the automaton, you know, going to work every day, doing the same thing, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and not really having a valuable, I guess, quality of life because they're doing a job they don't like or that they're forced to do. So we, we've dug into that before. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, From also mentions that uh, there's been at, at his time there were, and I'm 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 guessing there's still some pushback to this now, but in his time that many of the psychiatrists and psychologists uh, refused to entertain the idea that a society as a whole might be lacking insanity. They hold that the problem of mental health in a society is only that of a number of unadjusted individuals, and not that of a possible. Um, unadjustment of the culture itself. I think that's an interesting phrase there, Sonia, unadjustment mm -hmm. of culture. It makes me think, hmm, the culture can adjust to humans instead of the other way around. Right. And also the reason that they, that I think the psychiatrist would not like that, think of that, would it be easier to deal with unadjusted individuals or with an unadjustment of the culture itself? Right. Would, you know, which is a much bigger problem. Right. And much harder to solve because you're having to dismantle what you've always known. 
-hmm. And so it's much easier to say there's these individuals that need help, not the society as a whole. There you go. And I'm sure there's some kind of financial um, route to that as well. Like um, it's, it would, it would not enable these big industries or these big corporations to keep making the money that they're making. Absolutely. It changes yes. as society. Right. Right. Yeah. So he, um, he calls what he's talking about here, the idea that, you know, the, that the whole society can be sick more so than just the individuals. So he's basically saying, I'm comparing an individual pathology with what he calls the pathology of normalcy. And Sonia, we were talking yesterday, I was like, what exactly does that word mean? Pathology? <laughs> and so I started looking up and, you know, we uh, ch chatted about it. Uh, what is, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a specialized, obviously, vocabulary word. So what, tell me a little bit about that. And then I want to share a story about. Yeah, your story, I think, defines it the best. But I told you my opinion that pathology is like deviating uh, from the norm. And he talks about, so there, that's when you question, well, what's the pathology of normalcy? Right. And I think you get, you, you're, you really hit it on the head with your little story. So I'm yeah. glad you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, I guess we think of pathology, like you're saying, as a deviation from like what's normal. But then if I think of it in the phrasing that he has, the pathology of normalcy, the deviation of normalcy, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if that quite hits it. So it's so funny because I'm rehabbing uh, my knee and getting ready to go back to playing soccer. And um, so I was at my uh, physical therapy appointment this morning and my physical therapist said something about the pathology of your body. And I was like, what? Mm. <laughs> and so I said, what does that mean? Tell me what that word means. And he told me in like, you know, uh, physiological language. And I was like, well, let's go back further. What does it mean in a general sense? And he goes, well, that's, you know, not really my world and my world is like the human body and whatever and I was like yeah like I'm thinking like social pathology you know and he goes well you know it's just and being unwell it's an unwellness <laughs> and I was like oh my god that's it that's it the unwellness I don't know a normal thing exactly like yeah so, I don't know if that's a word but it is now, <laughs> it is now. Yeah. unwellness everybody the unwellness I think that's a great way to describe it obviously I think it's 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 good it's perfect yeah I think so too and and I think it clearly communicates what Frome is trying to say here that there is unwellness associated with what we call normal today with how we live in a normal life mm -hmm. today there's pathology there there's sickness there's disease there's an unwell and an unwellness i think that's a that's very clear um it hits the nail on the head and and that's what the whole next chapter is about that he jumps into it's you know the pathology of normalcy can a society to be sick and really of course that's the theme of this whole book um, but he's going to go into that in a lot more detail and we will too in an upcoming episode. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to get into, I mean, I love that definition actually, Lacey. I think it's perfect. Uh, mm -hmm. one of the things that Lacey and I did talk about is that this was written in 1955. So Frome does have statistics in here for different countries and you know, like homicide rates, um, suicide rates that we realize aren't going to match 
our statistics today in our country. Yeah. And a comment I made to her without getting yet into specific statistics is, I know for a fact from much of the literature I'm reading that the rates of depression have increased yeah. um, in our country, especially during this COVID time, especially among uh, adolescents, young people. So um, we are right there. I mean, I, I'm not going to give you a st statistic right now. I think, Lacey, we were going to try to put up a, yeah. a website, right, that yeah. uh, people could go look at. Yeah. Our awesome technical producer is on it. He's about to pop <laughs> this thing up on the screen, I'm sure. It is from the Mental Health of America, um, Mental Health America, excuse me. Um, and these are just some quick facts and statistics about mental health. Thank you, Victor. You're the best. I know. Uh, isn't he awesome? He's so great. He's good. Yes, we're so fortunate to have him. Um, general mental health data set here says nearly one in five American adults will have a diagnosable mental health condition in any given year. Wow. Uh, and I, I mean, would argue that this is like just the numbers that are reported. I mean, mm -hmm. think of how many people you know that you're like, yeah, they're probably suffering from depression. They're not talking to people about it, right? Right. 46% of Americans will meet the criteria for diagnosable mental health conditions sometime in their life. Half of those people will develop conditions by the age of 14, 46%, 46, wow. that's almost wow. 50, yeah. almost half. I mean, when it's 50%, right. there's something going on here, people. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that we did talk about too, is a lot of these numbers, I think, um, aren't going to reflect uh, completely. They can't be completely accurate because not everyone reports uh, mm -hmm. these you know, depression or anxiety, but I think it really speaks to how um, how our society is troubled. Um, and Frome also does talk about how in these, you know, wealthier countries uh, like alcoholism, suicide, those are all much higher. And you think about that. Mm -hmm. Here's a country where you have everything materially that you need. Yep. And, and it makes you stop and wonder, well, what does that poor country, what does someone in a poor country have that we don't have? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of answers I could give you right now, but um, it's something that makes me think we have to take a closer look at our society and how we're living and what what we're missing. Right. And it's definitely not wealth. It reminds me of Dr. Gabor Mate, who we, I believe we played in a, a little clip of him on a previous episode talking about th these high numbers and how when it's 40%, 50%, uh, that's whenever you have to go, whoa, wait a minute. You know, there's something going on here. This is mm -hmm. not just a bunch of individuals who are having problems, you know, he, his, his, um, uh, like, picture that he used to kind of illustrate it is if you're doing some type of a scientific uh, experiment and you're using a, a culture, the actual culture that you like put under the microscope, mm -hmm. if 50% of that is sick, what happens? What kind of like, what's your mind in your mind about like the result of that? It's a sick, the whole thing is sick. If 50% right. of it is sick, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And then you see, you know, it's as Victor's scrolling through this, mm. we're seeing all these different communities and we're seeing also we're experiencing that now in our country with trauma, trauma mm. from, you know, our COVID 
trauma from a lot of the racial issues that have arisen. A lot of things, well, all these things have always existed, but people are dealing with a lot and how we, and the people are our society. These are the people that we get up every day and we go to the store or we have to interact with. It's not as if you can separate yourself to me from what is going on in your world because we interact with each other every day. Right. And ignoring that it, to me is ignoring, ignoring your neighbor, ignoring, I mean, lack of empathy. We could go on and on. It's just, mm. it's not a way that we can continue to function in our world. Right. And the lack of community, I think is probably one that we could put our finger on for the last year with COVID and being locked in. Um, the same organization had some um, statistics from this past year and talking and, and showing how much more of an increase that we've seen in mental health issues during the time of the lockdown and the um, early days and times of the pandemic. Um, so that further complicates an issue that we were already seeing in a, in a strong way before. Um, and then you have the pandemic and then you have economic issues and people who are unemployed, people are losing job, people are going through their savings to make it, people who are going into debt. And that in itself, just having debt, I was talking to somebody else about this the other night, having debt, there's some, there's a, uh, I don't know, it's like a pain associated with debt. You know what I'm saying? Like you, no. don't, you don't have freedom and that's no. another stressor. You know? It's another stressor. And I think what, what, what has happened now, um, a lot of individuals have been kind of thrown out of their world, the quote unquote normal world that we're going to actually analyze through from that is not normal or is there's a pathology of normalcy, we'll say, um, right. and, and unwellness. And so what I think has happened is the people that aren't in that world anymore, we've been forced to be out of that world, whether it is you lose your job or you lose a loved one or you lose your community, we're kind of forced to rethink, okay, exactly what we're talking about. Is this the life I want? How do mm -hmm. I want to live? This doesn't feel right. And it's a ripple effect. Like I, I see society, we, that's what I'm looking at is we have an opportunity yes. to do this differently. It's not going to be easy. Uh, there's going to be people that push against it because they mm -hmm. want to keep things, you know, status quo. Yeah. But we do have an opportunity to make a difference here. It takes a lot of courage to be willing to look at not only your own life and the issues and problems and things that could be improved in your own life, but as a society for all of us to sit and go, this is not really as good as it could be. It could be a lot better. Uh, it takes a lot of courage to do that. But I do believe, like we talked about with Sherry Turkle, we're in a liminal moment here mm -hmm. where we can make some of those changes. We have the opportunity to see them very clearly and it's a time when things aren't as normal as they normally are <laughs> right so it's a little bit easier to make those changes and i think um the just the question you know of saying are we living in an insane society is very provocative mm -hmm. and i think it's important that from is bringing that out into the open and we're we're talking about it and it becomes something that people are saying whoa wait a minute are we or aren't we and uh, you know what does this mean that we're actually we're questioning that's a whole uh rupture of our the way we've been living mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And it, again, it takes that courage to do that. And then courage to say, hey, there are solutions. We can do something different. We can make changes. Um, is it easy? No. But so uh, neither is living how we're living right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. it's painful and it's in its own way. Absolutely. Um, so his data in this chapter, he says the conclusion he draws about the data from the 50s in this chapter, he says they we find then that the countries in Europe, which are among the most democratic, peaceful and prosperous ones, like we mentioned, and the United States, the most prosperous country in the world, show the most severe symptoms of mental disturbance. Should raise a red flag, I think, you know, the aim of the whole socioeconomic development of the Western world is that of the is that of the materially materially comfortable life, relatively equal distribution of wealth, stable democracy and peace. And the very countries which have come closest to this aim show the most severe signs yeah. of mental unbalance. That's so crazy. So he says. Is there not something fundamentally wrong with our way of life and with the aims toward which we are striving? Could there not be something wrong with it? Could it be, this is pretty powerful here, that the middle-class life of prosperity, while satisfying our material needs, leaves us with a feeling of intense boredom that, and that suicide and alcoholism are pathological ways to escape from this boredom? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's pretty powerful, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense that we as human beings would, would come to a place of intense boredom by doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. I mean, do you eat the same meal every time you eat? Right. No. I mean, that's not who we are as a species. As a species, we like and need variety. You know what I'm saying? And so I can absolutely see how the way we're doing life, we're molded to do life, would bring us to a place of boredom. And that the the suicide, the alcoholism, these are ways to like just try to numb ourselves and get mm -hmm. through. Yeah, he I like this statement too. Could it be that these figures are a drastic illustration for the truth of the statement that man lives not by bread alone, and that they show that modern civilization fails to satisfy profound mm. needs in man. If so, this is the part that's so cool. What are those needs? Yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. That modern civilization fails to satisfy profound needs in man. It's a need. It's a profound mm -hmm. need in man. Is that important? Of course it is. Of course it is, Why? yeah. Why are we not? <laughs> why are we not taking more time for that? So he says the following chapters are an attempt to answer this question and to arrive at a critical evaluation of the effect contemporary Western culture has on the mental health and sanity of the people living under our system. It seems that we should take up the general problem of the pathology of normalcy, i.e. the unwellness yes. of what normal is which is the premise underlying the whole trend of thought in our, in this book that we're going through and, and what we're talking about. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's where we're going for sure. Absolutely. I, am, I actually wanted to um, read something because we're talking about culture. Yes. If you don't mind for the Love audience it. to define yes. Yes. a little bit. Okay. Because when people say culture, you think, well, what does that mean? So I'm going to read just a passage from a book that I've been reading that I think fits so good with this. Tell us the book. The, the book is 
The Way of Integrity, Martha Beck. Cool. And it says, by culture, I don't mean opera or surrealist painting. I'm talking about any set of social standards that shapes the way people think and act. Every group of humans, from couples to families to cell blocks to sewing circles to armies, has cultural rules and expectations that help them cooperate. Some of these are explicit, like traffic laws or workplace dress codes. Others are implicit, like the assumption that when you go to a nice restaurant for dinner, you'll use silverware instead of plunging your face directly into your food like a truffle pig. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Humans create elaborate cultures because we are intensely social beings. Mm. Lacey has always said this, by the way. Yes. Dependent on the goodwill of others from the moment we're born. We also have an enormous capacity to absorb and replicate the behavior of people around us. From childhood, often without even noticing it, we learn exactly how to win approval and belonging in our particular cultural context. We act bubbly, quiet, or brave to please our families. We immediately begin to like whatever our friends say they like. We throw ourselves into schoolwork, babysitting, family feuds, whatever we believe will assure our place in the human world. In this rush to conform, we often end up ignoring or overruling our genuine feelings, mm. even intense ones. We can, we know this, like longing or anguish to please our cultures. Mm. At that point, we're divided against ourselves. We aren't in integrity, one thing, but in duplicity, two things. Mm. Or we may try to fit in with a number of different groups living in multiplicity, many things. We abandon our true nature, and become pawns of our culture, smiling politely, sitting attentively, wearing the perfect uncomfortable clothes. Oh my God, pawns <laughs> of the culture. <laughs> yeah. I just think it fits along with film yeah. because that idea of integrity and the idea of like the approval and also trying to fit in with your culture, right. which would be the normalcy, right? The normal things that everybody's doing when you're not doing what you should be doing as an individual. To me, it feels like the squelching of genuineness. You know, it's like w instead of knowing yourself and learning yourself and listening to yourself, it's like you don't have time for that. Ignore that. That's not important. Do what we tell you to do. <laughs> do what we think is important. Don't do what you think is important. Don't have time to think about what's important to you. Don't have time to think about what makes you you, what makes you unique. That is a skill that we have to learn. And it's something that if we don't have time for, it's really difficult to develop. And again, yeah. one of the reasons why I'm so pro basic income is that helps us with our time a little bit more, open up our time a little bit more. Right. And you see the pressure when I read that of thinking of going along with the culture because we want approval, we want to be loved. And so we go along with whatever the culture is telling us to do. And that's what I love about also Frome because he's saying, hey, maybe the culture's messed up. Yeah. So that we got to start with cleaning that up. Yeah. So it's a very powerful uh, way to think. That's why, we, that's why we love the Sane Society. Yes. Yay. Yes, we're excited about it. And you know what else is cool, Sonia? We've talked about this before. There's so many articles that are being written every day that line up with this exact theme. 
Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's one on palliative care that we will will likely talk about more on an yes. upcoming episode. Um, but but my point is is that you can see the manifestation of this in so many places, mm-hmm. in so many ways in our society now, and it's time to stop ignoring it. It's time to start like facing it head on and enjoying finding the solutions to these these challenges because it's not impossible. It's possible and it's worth it. It's totally worth it to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right, Lacey, about the themes. Everywhere you turn, we're seeing this coming up in different areas. So these are questions that people are, I think, waking up and asking, like, we got to do something different here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we're excited to be uh, diving into our next season, uh, our next you know set of topics, our newest book with From and some other, you know, things that are going on within the culture, within our lives that are examples of this. So um, we're so excited about that. Uh, we want to remind you to subscribe to us here on YouTube um, and uh, follow us also on Instagram. We're at Rethinking Humanity. We're doing much more on Instagram than we are on any of the other social um, platforms. So check us out there and uh, stay tuned. We have Melissa Bernstein. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. coming up uh, what do you remember the date on that sonia oh no it's coming up in april right i think it's may may, may oh yeah may hello we're in april oh no it's totally fine uh, there's still some time left in april so don't worry okay. yeah <laughs> may may the 7th is what we have for her so that's going to be cool. really good she just uh started an online wellness hub that's my words for it i don't know what oh, okay calling it but it's called lifelines she also wrote a book called lifelines and powerfully shared her story of fighting depression, um, even as a highly successful woman. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. I'm super excited to hear her story because, yeah, I think a lot of people will be able to relate. Yes. And it fits, obviously, with the theme of everything we're talking about. So it's going to be cool. Right. And, of course, we can't leave this episode without saying, if you did not hear the episode with Sherry Turkle. Oh, my gosh. You are missing out. Check yes. that out. Listen to it. She's awesome. Yes, we love her so much and we love her writings. Highly recommend any of her books um, and anything like her TED Talk is really, really good too. So check it out. Sonia, I'm so happy. What a great episode 24 in the books. I love it. I love live people. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, we get to do this more. Yes, we're going to do it more. Well, thank you all for being with us. Uh, We will see you next time on the Rethinking Humanity podcast. Bye. Bye.